0: Uh, I get to bring the word of God to you today, and uh, just to, along with that little thing, I know not to mess with your mic, I did hear that. Um, uh, the, the, there's a tradition in the church when um, the pastor gets done, there's often a keyboard player in the back, and, and when the pastor's praying, they start to play a little tinkling music i can 't do it I start trying i i 'm like trying to do it in melody and i can 't predict where it 's going I just i can 't do it i 'm just i 'm just not wired that way so uh, let me we 're going to be in James chapter four today. this is the the series uh Living practically or practically living. Practical Living. Um, and so what I would do with this passage, if that weren't the series, is a little different than, than I will do today. Um, but we're going to let the scripture speak to us, but I want to set our minds on it a little bit, because it's a difficult passage. It's, James is pretty angry with the people that he's writing to, and I don't know if you know who James is. Uh, James is actually the brother of Jesus. So Jesus, God in a bod, right? Jesus was his older brother. Now, I don't know if you remember the story back in the Old Testament of Joseph. Um, You had uh, Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a bunch of kids, a bunch of sons. And his favorite one was Jacob. And he wasn't the oldest, but he was the favorite. And so his dad gave him like this special coat. And, and then Jacob, God was going to use Jacob in a wonderful way, so, so, so God gave Jacob a couple of dreams. And these, and these dreams, it basically was saying that mom, dad, and brothers are all going to bow down to me, okay? It ended up coming to pass, but if you're his brother, what are you thinking? Mm-mm. So what did they do? They sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him, and they sold him into slavery, and a lifetime later, God rescued the whole known world from famine through Joseph. And at the end, it was like, well, you guys intended for evil. God intended for good. But I always remember that, that passage. Like, if God gave me that dream and I had those brothers, just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no re, there's no reason. Um, but the same thing, it's got to be true of James. Now, we, find, we know that James did not really believe who Jesus was until after the resurrection. So after Jesus, his whole life in ministry. But you got to picture that James is Jesus' little brother. And so he, what, what went through his head when he was growing up? He's like mom and dad's favorite. You know, he doesn't ever do anything wrong. God's gift to the world. And you got to be frustrated with him, right? Um, but after he saw what God did, God the Father did through God the Son in Jesus, James became this passionate um, warrior for the gospel. And he ended up being in charge of the church in Jerusalem. That's a pretty big deal. So he's, he's writing this book. He's writing this letter to, to Christians who aren't behaving like Christians. And he and, and he calls them out. I mean, he calls them out hard. And I, so I want to just get our mind around a little bit. So I'm just going to tell you a little story, and then I'll offer a prayer, and then we'll read through the entire chapter and go back and kind of kind of pick it apart a little bit. Um, the the story I want to tell is. Uh, Back when my kids were younger, I remember when the kids would go to Sunday school. We would drive home. I was a preacher, and their Sunday school teacher was John Faber. And John, they just called him the Rule Guy, right? He's all about the rules. Um, and so I'd ask what they learned, and it's like I, I, we just know that we can't go do that, and we can't go do that. And John's a an longtime friend. They love, they loved John, but it was all about, he became the rule man. Um, but this other guy tells a story of of his son. His, his, third, second, third grade. Um, he's in the car on the way home and he, dad's trying to engage his son. He says, what'd you learn in Sunday school? Well, the teacher told me that God is bigger than the whole universe. Well, yeah. Okay. What else? It says that God lives inside our heart. Well, yeah. What's, you seem kind of confused what's going on. He said, well, if he's bigger than the whole universe and he lives inside of us, shouldn't he show through? <laughs> but think about it. He should. You should be able to, people should be able to know whose we are by how we behave. If you keep that in mind, that's what James is getting at here in this passage. He's, he's, he's pretty rough on them, but what they were doing, some pretty bad stuff. So let me pray, and then we'll get started on the, on the message, on the passage itself. Lord, thank you for the chance to be here today. Um, Thank you for the work that this team has put in, uh, the the ministry of the gospel that's been done over the last several years. Thank you for the impact that the gospel community has had on the north side of Holland, the relationships that have been formed, the people whose lives have been transformed. We bless you for that and thank you. And Lord, today as we seek your wisdom from your word, I ask that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive what you would have us see, hear, and receive. It says your message for us, not my message for them. So Lord, if there's something I plan to say that you don't want said, I do not want to say it. Convict me of it, but don't let me utter something that's untrue to your people. But Lord, if there's something you want said that I haven't thought of in prayer and study, I ask that you make it clear to me, burn within me so I know it's your word, and I will speak it to your people. We ask that you join us, that you speak to us as we worship you. In the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Amen. So here we are. James chapter 4. I picked up one of your Bibles in the chairs, and without my glasses, I could not read one word. So small. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that your desires that battle within you you want something but you don't get it you kill and covet but you cannot have what you want you you quarrel and you fight you do not have because you do not ask God and when you do ask you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your on your pleasures you adulterous be- I told you this is not a simple nice little Jesus crispy passage he's just angry, and, and rightfully so. We'll get into that more in a minute. You adulterous people, that means you're cheating on God, basically. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the, that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? We usually think of envy as a, as sinful, but we're told that God is a jealous God. And right here, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then he says, submit, this is a command, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who, seeks against, anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When, the ju- when, you, when you judge the law, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge the one who is able to save and destroy but you who are you to judge your neighbor Now listen you who say to today or tomorrow we will go we will go to this or that city spend a year there and carry on business and make money why why actually that's not a question why why do you even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist That appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. And then here's just a crux of a passage. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. You guys all feel uplifted right now? Some of what's going on, and there's there's way more here, but some of what's going on is there's a group of people in the church that that are trying to influence the church, and they're trying to take the and, and they've gained a little ground, they've gained a little bit of um, of social acceptance at this point in Jerusalem, and some of them are merchants, and some of them uh, they're, they're starting to get a little notoriety, and they're trying to use the name of Christ and the people the the Christian church to benefit themselves. They're trying to, to push out and push on and, and become richer and more influential because of the gospel, not using their influence for the gospel. And then there's a group of people in the church that are saying, we can't do that. We can't do that. That is not what Christ called us to. And James knows very well what Christ calls us to. And so they're bickering. They're, they're, they're yelling and screaming at each other. They're saying nasty things about people in the other camp. And, and that, is, that is absolutely natural. Think about it in your own life. Think about it in our current, current circumstances. Think about it in the last three years in the politics of our world. Don't you, at least I I'll just, I won't, I won't accuse you of it. I'll just say for myself, it is easy for me if I support a certain side, and I'm going to use the, the, the word guy, it could be male or female, but it is really easy when I hear my guy, whoever that might be, um, say something and, 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 and stumble, mess up right? They don't say it quite right. I'm like, well, I know what he meant, right? But the other guy, anytime there's a little misstep or says something that I don't really like or anything that I can pick apart and just cancel him with it, I don't give him any grace. I give my guy grace, but I'm not going the other guy grace. And the other side does the same thing. This is just our culture. It is what we do. We slander and, and, and point fingers and never give any grace except to ourselves, we do what comes natural to us. They did what comes natural to them. And you don't know this, but I've been saying for years that the people of the, God, of the, of the, of the New Testament are no different than, than we are. Yeah, they got around a little bit differently. You know, the uh, chariots are walking, horse, we have cars with GPS and all that kind of stuff. They had different communication, um, different technology. We, can, we have a supercomputer in our, I have a timer here. It's a $1,000 timer right there. That's what it is. Um, but, you know, we're able to, to contact someone across the world by typing in some little things. And, but we've kind of gone back to hieroglyphics. If you notice with the emojis, we don't use words anymore. We just use pictures. You know, we're kind of going backwards. But, but they, they had the same desires that we have. They have the same um, sinful nature that we have. They, 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 they got frustrated the same way we do. There is no difference between the people of then and the people of now, except the, the, the circumstances that present themselves. So you notice that James said at the very end of this, and in the next chapter hits it's his warning against rich oppressors. So the people that have the influence are kind of exercising, they're flexing their muscles and try to make it so they get their way and everybody else kind of falls away. But what I love about James is he's very clear. He says, anyone who knows the good that he should do and does not do it, sins. So let's Let's get practical about it for a minute. How do you know as a Christian what the right thing to do is? Now, I can't get it 100% of the time, but how do you know as a Christian when you're facing this in a circumstance, a situation, a relationship, uh, politics, news, whatever it might be, how do you know what the right thing to do is? 99% of the time, it's the hard thing. I had a, a young man uh, uh, who's he got six or seven felonies. Well, four of them are in one night. He stole four cars in one night. He's 16 years old. He's in juvenile detention. And I meet with him every week via Zoom because I happen to know the judge. The judge lets me do this because we're just trying to influence. He's a good kid, but he just something happened to him when he was very young and it, he's grieving it and it's changed his psyche. And he's trying to, he's trying to figure out how to not do what comes natural to him. And one of the things that was happening last, I met with him last week on Zoom on Wednesday. And on Thursday, we had a great talk. We talked about his faith. We talked about about, about he's just starting to learn how to pray. He's reading the scriptures on his own. And I got done with that meeting. I'm like, yes, he's on his way. And the very next day, he's playing basketball um, in the rec center there. And a guy that's always been kind of, they're not in the same pod or the same group, but the guy that's always been He's always kind of had as a nemesis. They're playing basketball. So they bump shoulders a little bit. They throw elbows a little bit. And when they block, they block a little bit too much with their hip and one goes down. Well, he shoved him. The other guy shoved the guy I'm talking to. So he shoved him back. The other guy took his fist back and the guy I'm talking to just popped him, knocked him on the ground. So now he's not just in detention, but now he's alone in detention. And we were talking about it. He goes, There was this incident. I go, It's not an incident you fought him. It didn't happen to you. You participated. And I wasn't being mean, but I said, let's just, let's just say, say what it is. Instead of calling it this, it, they had to file an incident report, but you were the instigator. So let's, let's, be, let's, let's be honest about it. He goes, well, it felt like the right thing to do at the time. Okay, so let's just analyze that for a second with, with you and your own life. It felt like the right thing to do at the time. It's, it's natural, right? Some guys... Um, testosterone gets flowing, you're in a, your favorite sports skirmish. Um, like, the like, yeah, go sports, you my favorite sports team. Um, so, <laughs> Brian Reagan. Um, it, it, your passions get up, your adrenaline gets flowing, testosterone kicks in, and it feels like I need to, I need to be above this person. I need to put them in their place. We, every guy in high school, sometime or another, said that guy needs to get his tail kicked. Right? We think that that's the right thing. We'll just set the world back to the way it's supposed to be by making someone lesser than me or knocking them off their high horse. But when my friend, my young, the young friend, I'm just going to call him G. Um, G, the right thing to do in that situation is the hard thing to do in that situation. Because when, you're, when, when your ego gets up and, you're, and your adrenaline's pumping and you're excited and you're frustrated and this guy, he, I can't let him win... What's natural is take him down. What's hard is walk away. It's hard. It's easy up front. Whatever is easy up front in the moment is 99.9% of the time the wrong thing. It's going to harm you in the long run. But what is hard right now, 99% of the time, it's going to end up benefiting you later. I found two exceptions. Going to the bathroom. No reason to do that the hard way. Okay? There's no, there are lots of hard ways to do that. There's just no reason for it. And delivering pizzas. The easiest way to get somewhere to deliver a pizza, deliver it. But anything of consequence in our lives, the right thing is the hard thing. Anyone who knows the good that he should do and does not do it sins. Another way to look at it, practically speaking, is do not do what comes natural to you. That's the whole of the gospel. What does Jesus say? When, you know, uh, love your enemies. Well, if you only love those who love you, well, even the pagans do that. People who don't have Christ in them, who don't have the Holy Spirit living in them, they love those who love them. I want you to love your enemy. And that's really sweet to say until you have an enemy, until there's someone who actually is actively seeking harm to come to you. And I'm supposed to, when someone slaps me upside the cheek, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek if a soldier, this is, how it, this is what the verbiage meant in, in the New Testament time, when Jesus says, go the extra mile, if someone asked you to carry their pack, that, those were Roman soldiers, and by law, if they came up to you and they were tired of carrying their pack because they're walking on these big Roman roads, if they said to, to, to me, a fellow traveler, if they ran across me, said, I want you to, to, to haul my pack for a mile... By law, you had to do it. There was no way. It's like saying no to a police officer or a fireman in the midst of an, an emergency. You must, by law, comply. But Jesus says, if you're forced to take your enemy's pack, that's a Roman soldier, for a mile, go the extra mile. Offer to do it again. If someone asks for your shirt, give them your cloak as well. Jesus is very clear throughout all of his public ministry that what we want to do isn't what God wants us to do. If we do what comes natural to us, we will end up in destruction. They were, people want to leverage the resources of others for their own benefit. That's what's going on in James 4. That's what's going on in the church at the time. People are quarreling and yelling and they're deciding for themselves what God meant. We see that all over the place in our culture today. But James says, because think about it, Jesus, at the end of the Gospels, Jesus says in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. And he says, go all across the world, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything that I've commanded you to do. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you to do. You know, that, you know that? That's called the Great Commission. So if Jesus commanded something and he's king, his command is law. Just like the Old Testament law, the, the Ten Commandments. Those are, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. Those are laws. Here, James says, that if you don't do what the law says, you're sinning, and if you, if you say, well, that's not what God meant, then you're, you're saying that you're greater than God, and I don't think anyone wants to do that, but we do it all the time today. We want God, we want the gospel, we want the commands, we want the law, and I put that in parentheses because the, the gospel is a law. It's that we are all doomed if we're on our own, but God, on our behalf, paid the penalty that we deserve and, and, and rescued us from destruction, That's a legal transaction, but he says, I'm going to take what is wrong with you and put it on me, and I'm going to take what is perfect and righteous about me, and I'm going to put it on you. It's what's known as imputed righteousness. He he takes the perfection. Put it this way. When you show up for judgment, and we all will face the Lord one day, please do not say this. Look what I've done. (laughs) What do you say? Look what you've done. That's a legal transaction. It's as if a judge says to someone who's guilty, I declare you innocent and I take on your guilt. I will serve your sentence. So it is, it is. whatever Jesus said, whatever Jesus did is the law. And I know we like to think of the gospel being law free, and it is, but it's not lawless. And in the church today, in our culture today, we don't like what God told us is true. And so what do we do? We judge the revelation of God. We judge what God told us is true. And we say, nope, not what he meant. James, I'm going to use my words, but if you read this passage, he's saying, you, how arrogant can you be to think that you know better than God? To think that you're going to do what comes natural to you, you're going to subvert other people, you're going you're to use your wealth to influence people in a wrong way, you're going to try to pull people out of what's true and right and noble and excellent and praiseworthy and get them to do something different than that? Who do you think you are? Anyone who knows the good that he should do and doesn't do it sins. James, not me. We have a tendency as human beings to do what comes natural to us and if you think about in Galatians chapter five, there's this list of the, the works of the flesh, licentiousness, envy, strife, party spirit, fashions, witchcraft, adultery, orgies, all those things, fornication, all that stuff gets listed in there. All of those are things that come natural to us. All of those are things that are a result of what Adam, when Adam decided he wanted to do what he wanted to do instead of what God wanted to do. You know, he, he said, Lord, he didn't say these words, but he basically, he goes, not your will, but mine be done. And every one of us has a natural tendency to do the same thing. It's only natural. And if we look around our world, just as we looked around at the Roman world, the Greco-Roman world, and it's collapse soon after these words were scribed, they fell apart. Why'd they fall apart? Because they didn't have a good civilization, because they didn't have good roads, because they didn't have good military, because they didn't have good economy? no because they decided that we're just, everyone gets to do whatever they want as long as they worship the wrong gods. As long as they don't worship the true God, they do. And they, they get to give into every lust, every desire, every, everything they want, everything that comes natural to humanity, they did. And it destroyed their civilization. So what's the alternative? Well, if the right thing is the hard one, then God's command to us, he didn't use these words, I'm using my words, for, to just be pragmatic about it. Don't do what comes natural to you. In any given situation, if there's conflict or if there's some kind of desire you want satisfied, God's call to me, to you, to everyone is when it feels natural to you, God wants you to choose not to do what comes natural to you, but to do what comes natural to God. You think that Jesus, it was easy for him when he was in the garden. He's sweating blood, and he says, take this cup from me. That's the cup of suffering. He's going to suffer like none of us ever have. But he says, not my will, but yours be done. Think about that just for a minute. Put yourself, thats as human as Jesus. It was his humanity crying out. He's saying, I see what's coming, and then my natural tendency is to avoid But I want, Father, what you want more than what I want. So think about that pragmatically in your own life. Just for a moment. Given situations, look back in your own history. When you've done what comes natural to you, did it usually work out for you? And if it did, did it work out for the person you decided against? Probably not. It probably harmed them and benefited you. But it didn't benefit you for the long run. So another way of looking at it, um, when I was in uh, high school, I went to a camp. It's where I came, became a Christian um, uh, at Frontier Ranch out in Buena Vista, Colorado. And there's this, um, there's this, it's part of a mountain. It's called Chimney Rock. And we climbed up it, and they always had adults sitting on the, standing in precarious spots so that if someone tripped, they could They could keep the kids from falling, and the adult might go down, right? You're you're putting yourself in harm's way like a firefighter or someone in the military something like that. Put yourself in harm's way so that others have a chance to be fine. But on the backside of that was this big gravel slide. And um, so you're up at this top, and you have two options to go down. One, to run fun down the gravel slide. And if you fall, you're going to get your skin torn up a little bit. Or to either jump or crawl down or climb down the chimney rock. Well, that's scary, it, 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 especially going backwards. It's just hard. And it was, it was steep. Um, so most situations present themselves like that. There's, there's a, especially if there's almost sin involved or there's temptation involved, there's, a, there's one option that looks like, I'm gonna, this is just too hard. It's going to destroy me. If I have to jump off this cliff, it's going to kill me. But here's this nice, leisurely walk down a gravel slide, and i I can either run it or I can walk it, but i'm going to be I'm going to be fine. think of it like you talking about snowboarding, right you know the back bowl and veil is very different than the blue or green little winding trail down um, one might kill you the other is probably pretty easy you're going to be just fine might still try. huh might still try. you might still try right so And and those are recreational things. But but think about it like this. When you're given a situation, a, a moral decision to make, and an ethical decision to make, a sin or no sin decision to make, the natural thing is to go, oh, I can just walk that way, easy. Or I can fall down and be destroyed. What we don't know in the moment is that if you take that nice leisurely sled ride down the hill... There's going to come a spot and you can't see it until, it's kind of like going down Niagara River and all of a sudden you're, you can't stop, you're going over the fall. It, we take the easy way, we're destroyed in the end, but if we take the hard way, it breaks us, but God puts us back together. So when we look at the scriptures, we, we get to choose what you say, Lord, or what I say. Your will or my will. When we look at our own Christian walk, we have that choice to make every day. Am I gonna do what comes natural to me or am I gonna do what comes natural to God? And I promise you, what comes natural to God never feels good when, you make, when you're in the decision-making process. It's hard and the enemy will be, oh, come on. No one else does it like this. You don't turn the other cheek, beat them. You don't, you don't pray for those who persecute you. You persecute them back. Someone's got to stand up and take a stand. That's what the enemy does. That's what our own sinful nature does because it comes natural to us. But God says, no, stand firm, but forgive. When someone beats on you, don't retaliate, Both, either emotionally or otherwise. And he says if someone... It, We don't get to slander, just right here in James 4, we don't get to slander other people. We don't get to tell, we don't get to say of other people what even might be true, but to do them harm in the public arena. It's just not... Christian's call. And imagine what the world would look like if every Christian on the planet decided from this point forward to do not what comes natural to us, but what comes natural to God, to return evil with kindness, to to pray for those who persecute us. For those who want to destroy the very church, the the the, the Christian the supernatural vehicle that God chooses to take the gospel to the world, those who want to shut it down, just that worldwide, just we need to get rid of it because all the wars and all that stuff have all been because of religion. None of that's true, but yeah, I know what people say it. What if we said, I love you. How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? What if every Christian decided to be what the scriptures say to be, to see the good in front of you and do it, and he'll lift us up. But if we see the good in front of us and we do not do it, we sin not them. We cannot expect the world to behave like they worship a God that they don't know. But what they see often are Christians who claim to know a God and we don't act like we do because we keep doing what comes natural to us instead of what comes natural to God. So really tough passage. There's a lot more in there, but if you just take that last line, Anyone who knows the good that he should do and doesn't do it sins. That's pretty practical. The hard thing is to see what the good is. Well, One way to notice it is if it's hard, it's probably good. And if it comes natural to me and not natural to God, it's probably sin. So do what comes natural to God not what comes natural to you and when you're given a situation don't take the easy way unless you're delivering pizzas or going to the restroom don't do the easy thing do the hard one you will benefit in the long run and so will those you come in contact with let's pray Lord you are almighty and sometimes we act like you're not sometimes as the people in James time they were they they were praying and they weren't getting their answers because they were praying with the wrong motive Sometimes we treat you like you're there, like you're an ATM or you're Santa Claus, and we get ourselves in trouble and then we ask you to bail us out. But that's functionally, that's that's like an atheist. We just do what we want and then ask you to rescue. Lord, instead, we pray that you give us the courage to find out where you're moving and follow you. And Lord, I pray that you give us discernment this week Um, as the elders meet later today to talk about this particular gospel community church that you give us wisdom and discernment so we know what your plan what your desire what your hopes and what your provision is gonna is gonna show us but Lord for the rest of us during the week pray simply this that when we're given opportunity when we are placed in circumstances and we can either do what comes natural to us or natural to you I pray that you show us clearly what your will is, and that we have the courage to say no to something, so we say yes to you. And Lord, when we're given an opportunity in some moral or ethical quandary, that you remind us that the right thing is usually the hard thing, so that we are more likely to be faithful instead of faithless. We pray this in Jesus' name, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.